0: Hello, you're listening to A Little Bit of Largum, a podcast about finding a more balanced, sustainable and mindful approach to living. Taking inspiration from the Swedish concept of Largham, a moderate choice between extremes, the podcast explores how this philosophy can be applied to all aspects of your life, to improve your well-being, the well-being of others and of the planet too. My name is Marla. And before we get into this episode, I just want to mention again the all-important protective face masks helping to prevent the spread of COVID-19. Regulations regarding these are different in different countries, but wearing them especially on public transport and in shops for example, it's super important. I just wanted to offer the reminder of investing in a reusable face mask as opposed to the disposable plastic alternative, which is incredibly damaging for the planet. If you want to hear more about this, have a listen to the Plastics episode as we look much deeper into the problems and solutions to plastic pollution. But with regards to the disposable face masks, just to give you an idea of the sheer scale, if every person in the UK wore a single-use plastic face mask every day for a year, it could create 66,000 tonnes of contaminated waste and 57,000 tonnes of plastic packaging together making up a huge 124,000 tonnes in total. These masks find their way into our waterways, clogging up our rivers and seas and degrading into harmful microplastics, as well as being incredibly harmful to wildlife. If you can, please purchase a reusable alternative. It really will make a massive difference. Plus, I think they're more personal I find them much more comfortable as well, and in the long run, it's so much more cost effective, as well as helping the planet. In the past couple of episodes, we've covered some heavy topics in the podcast, but it's important that we don't become hopeless. So I wanted to remind you that the choices you make do make a difference. We're all capable of contributing to positive change. Just one person's actions ripple out and can help inspire others to live more sustainably and compassionately. The ripple effect is very influential, so never doubt that your choices matter because they really do. So in today's episode, I want to talk about how we can look after our well-being, specifically our mental health. This episode feels really important at the moment. We're in the middle of a pandemic with a lot of uncertainty, worrying for the health of friends and family, struggling with isolation, concerns about your industry, difficulty staying indoors, And finding ways to look after our mental health feels really important. I'm really grateful that here in the UK we've always been able to go outside at least once a day for exercise. And I think that's had a massive impact on my mental health. So not having this, I can imagine, makes things even more difficult in these times. So taking a look at how to look after our mental health really is so important. I think quite often our mental health is something we only really think about when it starts to deteriorate or when issues start to arise in our lives, leading to more stress, worry and anxiety. But in order to emphasize the importance of checking in with our mental health more frequently, I want to use the common analogy of brushing our teeth. You don't wait until you develop a cavity or until your teeth start to fall out before you decide it's important to brush them. We all know the value of brushing our teeth at least every morning and every night, just to help make sure they stay healthy. And the same thing applies with your mental health. We can't only start to acknowledge our mental health when it becomes a problem in our lives. Our mental health is with us throughout our entire lives and its state will fluctuate from day to day and even minute to minute at times. So it's really crucial that we check in with ourselves more often and find things that work for us to help look after our mental health. Another example that might be a good way to look at this is I think about my bedroom. So if every night before I go to bed, I do a bit of a tidy up or a declutter, then it tends to stay a bit more tidy and more manageable. But if I decide to completely neglect it, and especially at the moment when we're spending so much more time in our houses, you can see how quickly things start to get out of place and start cluttering up your space. It tends to hit a point where it becomes very overwhelming to even begin to tidy up, because it's really hard to know where to start. So with our mental wellbeing, if we factor in a bit of time into each day to do things that can help bring us joy, keep us focused, and just to check in with how we're feeling and have a means to outlet any frustrations or worries, this can really help not only to prevent escalation of negative emotions, but also to help us develop strong strategies in times when our mental health is in a more challenging place. My mental well-being is something I've really had to work on and find ways to support since my early teenage years, and it's come with a lot of trial and error, still to this day, but I've started to find things that seem to help keep me in a more positive place, and things that really help when I can feel my mental well-being deteriorating. Before looking into the Largam outlook on well-being and suggesting some more specific examples from my own experiences, A point I really want to mention is talking about something I've found really impactful on my mental health and something that feels really important at the moment. And this is in relation to the news and social media, specifically assessing how much is too much for each of us. It applies for many areas and types of content from general social media streams of information to information on climate change, COVID-19 updates, social justice movements, and other world events. It's incredibly important to keep ourselves informed, to educate ourselves and know what's going on, as this helps motivate us to make better choices to protect the lives of others and of the planet. I also think it's vital to notice the impact this information has on your well-being in comparison to the knowledge that you gain from it. You want to stay in a place where you feel motivated to make positive change and not defeated and hopeless. For example, with regards to the Black Lives Matter movement, which is an incredibly important social justice movement, education about black history is crucial and recognising how a society centred around white privilege is incredibly unjust and oppressive to minorities. But how do you balance this so that you can take action rather than feeling overwhelmed and overly guilty, which isn't gonna benefit anyone? I found that dedicating some time each day or however frequent feels manageable for you to research and educate myself about incredibly important issues like Black Lives Matter, the environment, what's happening in Yemen for example, updates on COVID-19 regulations, and all other aspects of injustice and problematic issues around the world. I found that because of my personality, I want to do everything all at once, learn as much as I can and try to bring about whatever positive change I can. But there's so much to learn and ways to educate others. I wanted to find a way to keep this continuous and sustainable so that the momentum doesn't die out because it's crucial that we don't allow the momentum to die out. I just want to talk a little bit more about the Black Lives Matter movement and why I feel that we really need to take a step away from our ego and recognise the parts of ourselves we may not have wanted to admit were there. For example, for me, this was realising my ignorance to the extent of white privilege in society and how that's bringing so much oppression and injustice. It's important that we allow ourselves to recognise this so that we can move forward and advocate for change. I don't think anyone would want to consider themselves racist, but that isn't enough to confirm that we haven't displayed racism. Being anti-racist is essential, as just because you may not have actively displayed racism in a conscious intent to harm doesn't mean that you're not still complicit. For example, through benefiting from a society built on the foundations of white privilege and not actively trying to change that system. As a white person, I'm benefiting from a system that is oppressing others, and if we're not pushing back against that and actively trying to change that, then we are complicit in an unjust society condoning racism, and that's not a society I want to be a part of. It's really important that we become aware of these things and not becoming defensive, but instead to channel our energy into learning how we can do better and make the difference that needs to be made. I'll leave resources in my blog post on my website linked to this episode. And this will include some good education resources, petitions, accounts to follow. And I also encourage you to keep speaking with people, have the uncomfortable conversations because without doing this, how can we learn to do any better? And I just wanna quickly mention the importance of being able to manage our emotions in these areas using any upset and frustration to fuel positive change rather than letting the emotions interfere with our ability to make change happen. This is something I've experienced a lot. There's a risk of burnout if you don't look after yourself or have an outlet for your emotions. Using them to fuel my motivation to help make a difference has really worked for me, as opposed to allowing the feelings of overwhelm or hopelessness get in the way, because that really doesn't help anyone. But taking the time to look after our mental health is so important. I know that this can be really challenging. At least I find it can feel quite selfish to take time to look after ourselves when there are so many terrible things happening in the world. But if we haven't taken the time to look after our own well-being, how can we be in a position to help others and continue to do so? I hope that some of the things I share in this episode can be of use to you or maybe inspire you to try and find the things that you want to try and factor into your days which can help make you feel that bit better or make the difficult times and turbulent emotions that bit easier to manage. So first of all, what is the Lagom outlook on health and well-being? And just as a reminder, Lagom is the Swedish philosophy of living with more balance and limiting excess in your life. This idea of a little bit and not too much. So the Lagam Outlook focuses on sustainable happiness. It's not about striving for heightened levels of joy, fun and excitement all the time. If that was the case, you wouldn't really notice you were having fun, since it would just become the norm, taken for granted and appreciated less, and it would probably be quite exhausting also. It's about finding this underlying contentment, appreciation for what you have and accepting the difficult feelings when they arise. Leading on from this, I think it's important to consider how you define happiness and think about what does it mean to you to be happy? For me, happiness includes a sense of peace, a calmness in my mind that can be supporting of the situations I'm faced with at that time, rather than trying to root my happiness in something external. Although that being said, I do definitely find happiness when I'm in nature. And maybe that's because it gives me that space to be more present and appreciative and to slow down a bit. So maybe there's something about balancing the internal and the external. I do believe that happiness is something that comes from within, but it can definitely be supported by your environment. And when those two come together, I suppose that's when you can experience the most special moments. It may be relevant to also shift your perspective of what happy means to you so that it doesn't become this tangible, material thing that we try to strive for, leading to a lost sense of appreciation in the little things, and in being present in what actually can bring a lot of joy. As much as we may like it to be, happiness is not a constant. It's much deeper than thinking, when I get X, Y or Z, then I'll truly be happy. This idea that when I get my dream job, or perfect partner, or house, that then I'll be happy, This is very rarely the case, as it doesn't really work like that. This makes me think of a quote by the artist Henri Matisse, who states There are always flowers for those who want to see them. It draws attention to this idea of perspective, and how perspective shapes your experience, and ultimately how you feel in relation to your experiences through how you choose to interpret them. And this leads on to the lagam Outlook of having a growth mindset as opposed to a fixed mindset. When things don't go as planned, you can take this as an opportunity to practice the acceptance of failure, reflecting on what you've learned and keeping that with you, because you'll likely do much better the next time that situation arises. So I think learning not to fear failure and to see it as an opportunity to learn is really crucial That way, you can build resilience and develop more skills, self-awareness, and acceptance. And also have a bit more freedom to be creative and less self-blocking. I can definitely relate to this a lot. When I was in school and even in training, I think I had such an innate fear of failing and disappointing people that sometimes I wouldn't even let myself try things because I was so afraid of the disappointment or letting someone down. And yeah, I think failure is inevitable and there's so much to learn from it. I love the How to Fail podcast with Elizabeth Day as it explores people's failures and how important they were in who they went on to become and what they achieved. I think it's a really lovely way to reframe failure and that it's not something to be afraid of or to shy away from, but really something that gives you the chance to learn so much and grow as a person. While I'm on the topic of podcasts, I also want to mention a podcast that I came across called the Lager Mind Podcast, and this is really useful for discussing health and well-being, especially mental health, and how finding balance is really helpful in having better mental well-being. There are some really interesting guests on there, and they have some really nice perspectives on how they find balance for their mental well-being. In such a technological world we've become so disconnected from living things in the natural world and I think taking time to reconnect really does wonders for our health. It can't be natural to spend most of your day staring at a screen and looking at your phone and being in nature does something really wonderful with helping you reconnect to your values, appreciate the little things and recognise that There's no such thing as perfect, you know, when you look in nature, nothing is perfect, but it's all beautiful. And I think if we tried to take that approach into other parts of our lives, that that could be really useful. So with regards to exercise, we're often told that exercise is good for our mental health, and in many ways this is true. But I really like the Largham thinking of this, because it veers towards the idea of motion as opposed to exercise moving in nature and in a way that feels good, and that this is something that really boosts your feelings of well-being. It's so valuable to incorporate movement into your everyday. You don't have to be running marathons or taking spin classes to get the really wonderful benefits of moving your body. If you enjoy those things, then that's wonderful. But if you don't, don't feel like you have to do them. Simply going for a walk or doing a bit of yoga or whatever way moving your body feels good for you, is incredibly valuable. So I just thought I'd ask, what ways could you find to move your body this week that you could look forward to and enjoy? This could be something simple like a walk with your family or a friend, or taking a more scenic route if you walk to work, maybe going for a cycle, doing some yoga, or if the weather's nice, maybe doing a bit of gardening or even just putting some songs on when you're in your bedroom and having a bit of a dance to a song that you love. It's all really valuable and has such benefits for your well-being. So there's some of the outlooks Largen takes on well-being and you can see they're still very much rooted in a balanced approach. I thought I'd share with you some of the things that I found useful in the hope that maybe they can be of benefit to you also. So I thought I'd start by taking a look at my morning. For me, I'm definitely a morning person, and it's really nice to take some time for myself and set myself up for the day. It really helps me feel prepared for the day and puts me in a good mindset for what comes to follow. A couple of months ago, I listened to an interview on the Deliciously Ella podcast, and it was with a man called Hal Elrod. And he has written a book called The Miracle Morning, where he talks about six steps to set you up for the day. Now six steps may feel like a lot and they might not all be useful for you but I've found at least some of the steps have made it into my regular morning routine and in a way it's helped me form more of a routine for my morning which helps me feel more ready to approach the day ahead. The way you start your day can really set a tone for how it means to go on so it can be really useful to see what works for you in your morning to make you in a better mindset for the rest of your day. If you want to see all the steps, then check out the podcast episode, or you can read his book. I'll leave the links on my website on the blog relating to this episode. I do just want to stress again, though, I'm very much a morning person. I tend to be more productive earlier in the day, so I do try to incorporate quite a few things in, especially over lockdown, and it's really helped my well-being. These include moving my body, and this looks different on different days, so it might be doing some yoga, going for a run or a walk, cycling, or since I'm trained as a dancer, quite often dance is incorporated sometime during my morning, although this has definitely been a lot more challenging during lockdown. I always like to find time in the morning to do some writing. I find this super helpful. And whether this is in the form of stream of consciousness writing, which is when you just write continuously for however long, you can set a timer and then just continuously write. And I find that that's a really great way to just get thoughts out of my head and down onto paper. So I've got more headspace then available to really focus on what I'm doing with the rest of my day. I also like to set intentions for the day, just maybe a few things I want to try and get done or outlooks that I want to try and keep and yeah just having a couple of goals so I feel like I have more focus and the day doesn't just get away from me. Also something I found really useful is expressing gratitude just finding three things that you feel grateful for in the morning when you wake up and these don't have to be drastically huge things it could be that you're grateful it's not raining or that you've started a new book that you enjoy or that you found it easy enough to get out of bed when your alarm went off. So they don't have to be big things, and I find that it really helps me have a more positive outlook than when I go into my day. Another thing that it took me a while to get into, but I've actually found quite a lot of use in it now, and these are affirmations. Now at first I found this incredibly jarring, it didn't feel right to try and tell things to myself, even if I didn't believe them, in the hope that at some point I'd start to. And this way of affirming things is still not something I'm comfortable with, although I know it does work for a lot of people. But for me, I find more pragmatic and realistic statements that I feel like I can really relate to myself are really useful. So these might be things like, I am learning new things and developing in whatever area, or I'm motivated to try and learn this new thing, or I'm caring and I know this because... Things that I feel like I can actually ground in something and in that way that makes me feel more positive as opposed to just trying to force myself to believe something that feels a little bit too far away yet. But as I said, this is just my interpretation and these things work differently for everyone. Also, I'm a massive advocate of breakfast. I'd be incredibly moody without it. It really helps my energy levels and especially as a dancer... When I would be going off to work and have a morning class, if I'd not had breakfast, that would definitely not go well for me. It's also really nice to have that time to eat my breakfast in the morning, either in silence, listening to a podcast or just having a chat with someone in the house. It's really nice to take that time and I always make something that I really enjoy for breakfast and I think it is maybe my favourite meal of the day. I do also sometimes read a bit in the morning. This was definitely more the case when I had more of a structured working schedule. Again, because I'm a dancer and my job's very active, I probably wouldn't exercise before I went to work because I'd be cycling there and then be doing classes and rehearsals all day. So that time in the morning, I'd normally spend reading instead, but obviously during the lockdown that swapped around. So I tend to exercise more in the morning and then have some time for reading later in the day. But I find reading is a great way for me to have a bit of downtime and also to just inspire my creativity, waken up my imagination and yeah also I find a lot of books really inspiring. I don't only read fiction or non-fiction, I read a mix and I also quite like to have a few different books on the go at once so I really Yeah, I just, I really enjoy hearing different people's views on the world and I think that that brings so much richness into how you see the world. So more generally, either throughout the day or things that I try and incorporate into the week, I thought I'd just talk you through a few of those things. One of the main things that I've always struggled with is trying to find what downtime looks like for me. I have a very loud internal dialogue and I find it really difficult to switch off. So for me, any form of passive downtime, I've never really been able to connect to or get much benefit from because I just have so many thoughts going around in my head that I'd really struggle to actually relax. So for me, I've found that this idea of non-passive downtime really useful. So this might be going for walks and calling a friend, doing some yoga reading, listening to podcasts while tidying my room, because I do actually quite enjoy trying to declutter and make things look a bit tidier. But yeah, I find by doing something that still involves me engaging the whole of me, like I'm moving a little bit and my brain's active, it helps me to actually wind down a bit more, which I've not been able to find when I do something a bit more passive. Another thing that I found really important is recognizing where I get my energy from, considering whether you're more introverted or more extroverted. I'm definitely more of an introvert. I do love spending time with people, but big groups, I do find it very draining. So I've had to recognize that if I am surrounded by a lot of people for a long period of time, I definitely need to factor in some time for myself where I can recharge and finding that balance is really important for me. I find that I do get energy though if I'm spending time with maybe a really close friend or a couple of friends that can be something that leaves me feeling really energized and not drained at all so it's just important to recognize for yourself what gives you energy and what kind of takes it out of you so you know how to balance that. And going off that, I want to draw attention to the idea that it's okay to say no sometimes. That's something that I still find really difficult. I love to help people out with things and I love keeping busy, but you do have to recognize you need a certain amount of time for yourself. And that's okay and isn't something you should feel guilty about. And I still definitely struggle with that. So, anyone else who does, I completely relate to you. It can be really difficult to take time for yourself and feel okay about it, especially if you're saying no to something else. But just know that you can trust your intuition and do the thing that feels right for you, because if you give that time to yourself, you'll be able to offer more of yourself to others and help them in the future. Very similarly to the Lagum notion, I really love moving my body. It makes me feel so much better mentally and physically it makes me feel very connected to myself and yeah I've always been very active and I've loved being active whether that was sports in school or dance classes dance training I also love running yoga and yeah even just going for a long walk is something that I really enjoy and I've developed a really strong value on how it makes me feel and valuing what my body can do as opposed to being rooted in what it looks like I think especially in this generation with everything on social media and things being very image driven, it can be hard not to get sucked into that prioritising how you look or what you should do to look a certain way. But really that doesn't matter if it doesn't make you feel good to be doing those things. I think it's so much more important to find ways that make you feel great because ultimately that's what's going to bring you more happiness, not superficial image that doesn't really bring much to your life. There was a period where I was growing up where I wasn't able to be physically active and I think because of this I'm now so grateful for having the possibility to move my body and the wonderful benefits it brings. It really does bring you a lot more appreciation for yourself and your body by, yeah, challenging yourself and seeing what you're able to achieve and I really do believe it does wonders for your well-being. I know though a lot of people may not enjoy exercise so again I'm going to stress the importance of finding the little bits of movement that bring joy to you. You don't have to engage in the things that you really hate because if you do you're not going to stick with them and that's not going to be very sustainable. So it's all back to this idea of balance and moving your body in a way that feels good for you. I also notice in terms of my eating patterns and what I'm eating really does impact on my mood. I'm someone who eats multiple times a day and maybe this is partly rooted in the job I've done and kind of the upbringing I've had. I've always eaten very regularly and so missing a meal, things like that, really will impact on my mood. I'm definitely someone who experiences the hangry feeling. And I think, to be fair, all of us probably would benefit from eating more regularly and making sure that we're having a balance in our nutrition. And for me, a way to ensure this is if I am having a bit of time where I'm very busy or it's a lot more challenging or my mental health is not in a most positive place, I always have emergency batch cooked food in the freezer so that when I am having times like that, I have something that's been home-cooked and I know will be nourishing my body, I can just heat it up and I don't have to think too much about it. So that's something that I find really useful. And there's also so much research out there linking what you eat to how it affects your mood and I'll definitely attach some resources in the blog post for this episode. One of the last things that I want to stress and Maybe it's arguably one of the most important is that it's okay to ask for help and support when you need it. Whether that's friends, family, going to your GP or getting in touch with charities like Mind. It's really important that you feel like you can talk about these things and that you don't attach any shame or self-judgment to it. Mental health is something that I still think gains a lot of stigma, even though it's something that we're trying to overthrow and... So much progress has been made. But I think sometimes we still find it difficult to accept help when we need it. But I want you to know that if you do feel like you need support, you're 100% worthy of accessing that. And if it can help improve the quality of your life, then it's so worth doing. Also, there's so much importance in taking time for those who are close to you. As human beings, we're very social beings and forming genuine connections with other people is so important to our well-being. There's so many statistics associated with loneliness and how this impacts on your mental well-being. So making sure that you have strong relationships with just even a couple of people in your life who you really value and they value you, it's so important for your well-being. I just wanted to mention another thing about social media and online content as well. Making sure that I have time away from my phone and away from my laptop just away from screens in general. So what I found really useful is putting my phone in a drawer for a couple of hours and just doing other things that don't involve screen time. And it's really, really nice to have that time away from it and it really does have such a positive impact for me anyway. Another way people do it that they find useful is turning their phone off a couple of hours before they go to bed or not turning it on again until a couple of hours after they've woken up. And just having that time away from screens that are very stimulating for the eyes and yeah having time away from screens is so valuable so that's something that I'd also advise. And the last thing I want to say is don't try everything at once. Maybe just try a couple or one thing at a time and stick at it for a little while and see if it makes a positive difference for you. If it does, then that's great, and you should definitely try and incorporate that more frequently to support your well-being. But if it doesn't benefit you, then you can just let it go and try something else. It's definitely a trial and error process, but when you find the things that work for you, it's so valuable to have them and know that when you need a little bit of extra support or you need to kind of check in with your well-being and do something to bring you a bit of joy, You know what those things are and yeah it's useful to have those tools to help support your well-being. So I just thought it would be nice to end this episode with offering a short little writing task that may be nice to try or even something that you can just think about. It's inspired by Fern Cotton's book Happy which also has a podcast which is amazing Um, So I'll keep that in the notes as well. She ends the book with a list of some things that make her happy. So I thought I'd write my own list and encourage you to do the same. It did fill me with a warm feeling doing this and it helped remind me of all the things to be grateful for. So I would really encourage you to give this a try. So the little things that make me happy. Looking up as I'm walking through a forest. A spoonful of peanut butter straight out of the jar. Being able to buy the fruits and veg I want free from plastic. Hugs with those that I love, spending time with animals, feeling the sun on my skin, the smells from roasted vegetables, the sound of walking in fresh snow, cycling down a hill, the taste of dark chocolate, doodling while sitting by the river. The elevation and connection felt during a performance. Making someone smile. Sitting by the fire in winter and hearing it crackle. Listening to music that makes me want to move. Fresh bed sheets, Lying in the grass, looking up at the sky. So there are a few of the things that came to mind when I thought about what makes me happy. So maybe consider for yourself what it is that brings you a bit of happiness. So that's it for today's episode. I really hope it's proved useful, and if so, please share it with family and friends. You can also find us on Twitter at Little Largum, and I'll leave the link to our website and Patreon page in the episode notes. If you have any thoughts or questions about the episode, or any information you'd like to share, talking about the things that maybe bring you happiness. Or even if you just want to say hi, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me on a alittlebitoflargham at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your support and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye!